Hello and welcome again to our study of the encounter. We're in lesson number seven. It's going to be from 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's entitled The Call of Samuel. Our scripture selection is 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 through 21 and then also John 20, 21 through 23. Um, before we get into that, I did want to show y'all we are we have some good news. The symposium is going to happen. So let me share the screen. If you go to cpcmc.org, um, forward slash the hyphen symposium, you'll be able to find this website. It's November 4th through the 6th. It's going to be at the Dyersburg Cumberland Presbyterian Church. We got workshops for everybody, whether you're a preacher, an elder, if you're a lay leader, if you're a Sunday school teacher, whatever it may be, uh, we've got that. Registration closes on October 28th. It'll be in person, and then we'll also offer a streaming uh, virtual uh, platform. Both of them are $75. Uh, if you're looking for lodging for that week in Dyersburg. Uh, there's the information down here and you got some special rates. So if you want to go, I know Presbyteries like Cumberland Presbytery is encouraging everyone to go, even paying for the uh, paying in some cases for the room and for for attending the workshops and all that good stuff. So uh, again, I encourage you to see if maybe your Presbytery is doing something like that or if your church will sponsor you, whatever that may be. All right. So but Let's go ahead and open up with our prayer for illumination. Gracious God, speak louder than all the people offering advice and opinions. I thank you for a multitude of counselors, but may your voice transcend the crowd as we study your word today. Amen. All right, so the story is Samuel growing up and uh, hearing the voice of God and not exactly knowing what to do, but then Eli kind of instructs Samuel how to uh, receive the words of God and then how to respond. Uh, in our introduction on page 39, uh, Derek introduces us to a quote from Dr. Douglas Webster and says this, In Christ, we are all called to salvation, service, sacrifice, and simplicity. That's a really good way of thinking about this lesson. If, you want, if you're a teacher and you want to just figure out how salvation, service, sacrifice, and simplicity work into the, this story, I think you, you have a pretty good platform and a pretty good lesson there. Um, two things to keep in mind while reading through this lesson or studying through those first couple chapters of First Samuel is that, number one, this is kind of cool. God uses the offspring of a despised common woman to, to bring about the next um, part of God's redemption. Uh, and then at the same time, God rejects the offspring of Eli. Eli, of course, is the one with the title, the one with the office, the one with the calling. But Eli's sons aren't faithful. And so God rejects Eli's sons and then places God's stamp of approval on Samuel. And then the other thing that I think is important, especially for this culture, is God didn't reject the temple, did not reject the priesthood, did not reject these things, but instead called for a uh, cleaning of the house or repentance. Samuel was trained in the same way in which any priest uh, would be trained. Samuel was trained in the traditions of the law the traditions of Moses and, and so on. And so it's not as though God was rejecting the whole system, but God instead was saying the system is good. I'm calling people to, to faithful obedience in the ways in which I've instructed. Um, so anyway, um, Eli instructed Samuel how to listen to God, but ultimately how to respond in service to God. And if we use those four, four S's, I had Dr. Douglas Wilson Webster, Douglas Webster must have been Baptist or something because salvation, service, and sacrifice, and simplicity. It's a good sermon. 
Uh, but first, the salvation part, right? So we'll talk about this a little bit more in the Exploring the Scripture section. But in a very real sense, Samuel was the salvation of Hannah, right? Because Hannah was barren, and then she she gets this blessing from God in, in Samuel when she gets a child. Uh, in some way, Eli receives some redemption in that his two physical or natural children uh, were not faithful to God. But then he is placed, or Samuel is placed in his care, and then Eli instructs Samuel in the right ways of serving God, and Samuel responds correctly. And so in some sense, Eli gets some redemption as well. Second thing is service. Eli stays faithful, even with his frustration with his children. He stays faithful as a priest, serving God by instructing Samuel on how to live. And then Samuel, of course, begins training right, from the very earliest of ages. So far as sacrifice, Hannah gives up her child, the one thing she deeply wanted. We were kind of reminded of Isaiah or Abraham and Isaac um, and Abraham being called to sacrifice Isaac. In a very real way, Hannah sacrifices the child that she so deeply wanted in order for um, God to continue on with his redemptive plan. And then, of course, um, Samuel gives up his life. He accepts his fate as being trained in the temple. He doesn't get to grow up like all the other little Hebrew boys running around, but he is dedicated to the temple, and he does that. And then simplicity. Look, you can have seminars, hours and hours and hours and hours, and there have been millions of books written about how to hear the voice of God and how to respond. But as it says in our scripture text, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Simplicity doesn't mean easy. I get that. It's very difficult, but it is simple that we respond to the voice of God. We, we practice the presence of God, um, and then we're obedient and faithful. It's not as hard as we make it, but it isn't easy either. It is simple, but it's not easy. All right, so that leads us to our uh, exploring the historical setting, exploring the scripture part. And Reverend Derek brings up, you know, the background of Hannah. So Peninnah is torturing Hannah because Hannah is barren, right? She can't have children. And in that culture, that was a sign of, you know, maybe cursed by God, not love because you're, you're not producing offspring. And so Hannah is deeply hurt, desperate to have a child. Um, I'll say this, please don't be the person who has been blessed by God and then holds it over other people's heads, because in most scripture stories, the people who brag about their uh, blessedness are also the people who are terrible, and it's the people who are struggling, trying to do the right thing that are that ends up being blessed by God. So um, be careful that you're not that person. And then, of course, Eli, he's a good person, right? He has some children that have some trouble, but Eli takes takes his calling serious and loves God. Um, another thing to think about in this would be uh, kind of not in this specific lesson, but like uh, with Eli and his children, Eli understood the rituals and the practices of the temple and his responsibility as a priest, not as some rote ritual, not as something of just his job, but Eli had a personal relationship with Yahweh, and so everything he did came from that fire within his heart that the relationship between 
uh, Eli and Yahweh was a personal, warm relationship. But with uh, his sons, it was simply their job. They clocked in, clocked out, and they took advantage of the system because there was no relationship between them and, and God. So uh, that's one thing you can bring up in your Sunday school class. Um, ultimately, in this section, you can see uh, God redeeming both individual people, like Eli, like I said, gets the second chance with Samuel. Hannah uh, gets her salvation, if you will, in the birth of Samuel. Uh, but then also Samuel's life becomes a bridge to call people back to God in faithful obedience to the laws of Moses or to the ways of God and the holiness of the temple and so on and so forth. So God is ultimately um, calling the people back or redeeming the people. And, but then also it's another step in that narrative story of redemption where God is not only going to call the Israelites, but calling all the nations back into relationship with God. And so um, that's the importance of the calling of Samuel. Uh, which leads us to the discussion question. Uh, how does Samuel reflect the nature of Jesus Christ, right? We've said that Samuel is a type of Christ in this sense. Samuel is a sacrificed son that rises up and basically replaces, in, in a weird sense, Samuel was a judge, wasn't really a priest, but Samuel replaces the corrupted priesthood, calls people back to a relationship with God, not just the following of commands and rituals, although he does that. It's a following of the commands and the rituals and so on in light of a personal relationship with God in the community of, of the called of God, God's faithful people. So that's one way. Um, in what ways are uh, Jesus Christ and Samuel different? Well, Samuel pretty much stayed with the Jews, or the Hebrews, right? He didn't venture out too much. Uh, Jesus Christ is certainly the symbol of, of God's welcoming of all people uh, into uh, the kingdom. All right, and that brings us to the digging deeper section. Um, so um, the passage on page 40, Derek brings us up. The passage says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. He goes on to write, this reference, this reference is the book of Judges, which describes a dire situation in Israel. Judges speaks of people doing what was right in their own eyes. All right. So that's, I mean, this speaks in our culture today too, right? To whatever extent you believe it, it is happening. Uh, people don't usually have religious reasonings for what they do. It's just, is this right or this wrong? It's divorced from any type of eternal principles or so on and so forth. And so, um, in that context, of course, visions are rare because we're not seeking, we're not practicing listening or the presence of God or so on. So on. I had a congregation member call me one time and say, why doesn't God speak the way he does in the Old Testament? But we're just assuming that at every page, God pops out and says, hey, guys, listen to me here. But it's not true. There's been plenty of times in which you read like in uh, the book of Judges uh, or here in First uh, Samuel, the where it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. We have the Bible. We can read that every single day, but we don't have that same uh, thought, not those visions, maybe is what my congregation member was thinking about. But maybe it's because that we're just in a cluttered culture and we too, even ourselves are cluttered. And so maybe it's hard for us to 
hear the voice of God. But I like what Derek says on page 41, first paragraph into first paragraph, God abides and remains faithful, right? No matter what we can see or the external circumstances, um, it's the way it works. God is faithful. Also like in page 41, middle of the uh, third paragraph, pretty much the middle of the page, I'll just read it. How many times have we heard the Lord's call, but his voice has been dulled by our circumstances? In Samuel and Eli, we see the good news that God works in the lives of the youthful and inexperienced, as well as the old and the tired. That is an awesome thing to think about. Like every single one of us in the church have a role. We can be that young and experienced person, but we've got that vitality that sometimes our, our older generation uh, maybe has, has lacks the, the get out and go, but we can, we can disciple, we can mentor, and we're called to do so. And that leads us to the discussion question there in that section, which I think is an amazing discussion question. And I hope you take time um, to ask it in your class. The church plays the role of Eli in the lives of its members. We teach people to hear the voice of God, how to respond to God's voice. Who was your Eli? How do you help others respond to God's voice? Um, so like in different areas of, or different texts of, of the scripture, you can see the church uh, has an example like in John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord. That's the church's job, right? Or here in First Samuel, Eli becomes a, a type of the church in which Eli teaches young Samuel how to hear, listen, and respond uh, to God. So think about the church's role in, in the context of what Eli is. You have Eli who allowed his sons to just run stupid and did not call them to repentance, did not discipline them. Ultimately, Eli's sons died because they ran away from God and they became wicked. And then the church then, like you've heard the term, the church is our mother. You, what's that phrase? You can't have God as your father unless the church is your mother. In some sense, we, we are the church is the mother of our faith and, and we are the children of the church, if you will. And the church then helps to keep us in line and to call us to repentance when our lives get stupid. Ultimately, Eli's sons died because of their wickedness. And certainly the church can't stand idle when, when the church's children uh, go the wrong way. We call people to repentance. The second thing is Eli instructed Samuel on how to listen to God and respond to God's calling. That's what we do with our preaching, with our worship, with our Sunday school classes, with our discipling outside of the church, we are forming and shaping people in such a way that they can hear and respond to God's calling. If you go back to those four things, those four S's, the salvation, uh, what was it exactly? Salvation, service, sacrifice, simplicity. This is what we're called to be when we're mature Christians. We're called to show as mature Christians. And then who was your Eli. I mean, mine have obviously been my parents, also my pastor, my first pastor back at Tendersville Church, Pastor Maury Norman, um, a lot of my professors in college. All of these folks um, helped me, shape me, form me to think about faith in the context of my life, how to live, how to seek God, and how to respond in certain situations. I don't do it well all the time, but I try. All right, so that leads us then to the learning from the scripture section. Um, and, and this, I think, is the, is the four things we just talked about. We're saved and sent for service, right? Like this is what we're, we're, we do. And then it's simple. Don't, you don't have to make service to God real hard, but we're just called to be witnesses to that which God has done. 
in Jesus Christ in our own life. And we're, we're told to tell people about it. We're told to reflect God's nature and love to all people. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy because life gets in the way. It's difficult because life happens. And so like what happens in your life? How do you respond when something bad happens to you or you see something and, and you respond maybe in a way of anger or whatever else, or maybe you're not living your life right, so on and so forth. Simplicity doesn't mean ease, but um, we're called to be, um, we're saved to serve. Like in a world of divisiveness, like Christians should have this, I mean, in lockdown, like we can be agents of reconciliation. That's what a lot of Paul's letters are about. We're sent people to bring peace where there's not peace, right? To bring calm where there's anxiety and these kinds of things. Um, but somehow um, we, we don't do that always 100% well. So the discussion questions are pretty good. It's a good discussion question. Where are you sent today? How are you God's servants in the place that God has sent you? That's a good question, right? Because we all have this thing. I've said this before on podcast in the past. So if you haven't heard this, then good. If you have heard this, still good. Um, but I have what I call my Chris's three, three questions. Uh, and it's simply, who am I? Where am I? What can I do to glorify God today? And by saying, who am I? I'm a child of God. I've been given certain gifts from God. There's some things I'm great at, some things I'm not so great at. Um, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a Sunday school teacher, I'm a preacher. These are all things I can answer. Where am I? I am in Paducah, Kentucky, uh, sitting behind this desk, right, uh, doing a Sunday school lesson. Um, I am, you know, I go out with my friends and family uh, to dinner or so on and so forth. But God has placed us somewhere. He's placed us as an individual, given us gifts and personalities, and he's placed us somewhere. Every single day we wake up, we are somewhere, whether in our family or with our friends, at our job, so on and so forth. Take those two questions, who am I, where am I? And then you ask that question, what can I do to glorify God today? Like it's, it, again, simple, sometimes hard, but whatever place God has put you is where you're supposed to be. And God has given you that personality and those gifts and so on um, to um, to do that. All right. And then finally, uh, the applying the scripture section, I'd go through those discussion questions. Um, I think I'll just read that paragraph uh, on page 43. God's faithfulness is apparent in the life of Hannah, Samuel, and Eli and the disciples. We should also see ourselves in their lives. Ponder your place in his kingdom. How long have you been a Christian? You may think that you aren't experienced enough to serve God. You may think that you're too old to serve God. You may think that your talents, knowledge, and skill levels are below par to actually accomplish any good. The word of God tells us differently. When he calls men and women to serve, he knows what he is doing. Your lives are, uh, your lives are places of peace and grace that God calls you into his service. Only, our only question is, how will we respond? And then if you want to go through those discussion questions with your class, I think that, uh, Think that would be good. I'm going to end today by playing um, the little clip of my interview with Derek. Let's share the screen, make sure I click everything I'm supposed to. And then here we go. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to go into the seventh, seventh lesson, which is the call of Samuel. And, and uh, 
one of the things you said made me smile a little bit because when I was reading through your lesson, I thought um, the role of Eli for Samuel was, you know, Samuel was hearing this voice of God. He didn't know what was happening, didn't know. Eli said, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to approach this voice. And so then we as a church then are in that, I mean, as pastors or elders, as the church, we're instructing people on how to practice the presence of God. And so I, the reason I smiled is because you remember Miss Rita. Miss yeah. Rita, in her way, was 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 teaching you how to practice the presence of God and, and how and then how we as a church are supposed to be kind of like that. But I'll let you continue on with Miss Rita because Miss Rita yeah. sounds wonderful. <laughs> Rita, you know, is the uh, one of my Sunday school teachers, and I was blessed enough to be able to be her. Her she had two sons or has two sons, and I, they were in my youth group. And uh, so I got to, to, to fellowship with them. Um, but yeah, what, what's, what strikes me with, with Miss Rita, and Miss Rita is salt of the earth lady. So um, I'm not speaking about Miss Rita here, but probably speaking more of myself. But uh, as we think about Eli, he was a disaster, man. His family life was awful. Um, you know, his sons were not, you know, they just, they, it wasn't, they weren't who they were, should have been, you know, they, they were, they were not faithful, but yet Eli was still the, a conduit there for, uh, for Samuel. And, and that to me, it's those, I, I cannot get past that parts of the story. I have to stop there and think about those because everything we we think about and and I'm and I'm sitting here thinking right now of all the Sunday school teachers, right? Every Sunday school teacher that I've had, every Sunday school teacher that's taking place that, that's teaching right now, every pastor that's in a pulpit preaching on a Sunday morning. There are days where I get in the pulpit and I've had a disastrous three days prior. And as I stand there, it's like, what can I bring to this, to these people here? And if I, if I spend so much time thinking about that, then I could become paralyzed. But that's just the reality, though, of how God works and how God, how God lives. And so Eli, as this individual who, he doesn't quite get it either at the very beginning, of that passage, you know, when, when Samuel hears his name being called, it takes Eli a minute to put two and two together, uh, which is incredibly refreshing for me as a pastor, um, because just because somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need an answer, it, it may take you a minute to get it all figured out, and, you know, so I'm always looking for those people in the Bible, too, to, to kind of say, hey, give me a second. Uh, but, but yeah, it, 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 he's not been disqualified. And so as we encounter the text and as we encounter one another, I think that gives us a great freedom to be kind of who we are and to be uh, unashamed of, of how God has redeemed us. And that's what makes people like Miss Rita uh, so important because she would sit and tell you, and, and, and I'll tell you now, I can hear her laughing 
if I were to say Miss Rita had no problems in her life, I can hear her laughing right now about that because she goes, no, I've got problems. But those problems never stopped her from getting up on a Sunday morning to come up to church to teach Sunday school. And if there's anything we all need to know and hear as Christians is nothing is stopping you or preventing you from being who God has called you to be in the life of someone else, right? Um, I think about even, you know, just at General Assembly, right? We were at, we, we saw each other at General Assembly, walking around General Assembly and, and seeing individuals and people and meeting people, though it was just for a few moments, and maybe we didn't spend a whole lot of time together there, just that one moment was enough that God was, was still was being present to say, hey, hey, here's your brother in Christ. Here's your sister in Christ. Um, and, and just having that touch point is so critical. And how and we need to, to be trained just as Eli had been trained and maybe had maybe forgotten. Or, or I can't even put it all on Eli, right? If we remember about the passage, it was a pretty wretched time in Israel. And so they're waiting to hear a voice. They hadn't heard a voice. And so when the voice is speaking, it took them a little while to, to, to get back adjusted. But for Eli to be the one that steps forward and he leads Samuel um, into, into what he's been called to, um, it's so should be meaningful to all of us to say again just like with Jacob um, just like with Eli there's nothing that prevents us or disqualifies us when God has called us and equipped us to go forward and do what he's called us to do all right so Lord bless you this week as you teach see you next week